Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All I want is some Jack Herr. Jack Herr is, is one that? of my favorite sativa weeds, right? That's oh. one of my favorite weeds. That's why I didn't know yeah, that one. Yeah. I was like, is he in a movie? Was he a cop yeah. in a mall movie? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jack Her. No, not exactly. What's up, everybody? It's Chris Sims on Button. Week 16 is in the books. It's the Tuesday, the day after Christmas. Ahmed Farid and I are here. We are trying to still wake up, uncloud our brains, get in the mode. I got here early, did PFT. I am tired as shit. Honestly, it might feel like I'm more tired than I am when we usually do the pod at uh, 1130 at night on a Sunday night, right? It's one of those things where Christmas Eve, Christmas, all the eating, the drinking, stayed up late on Christmas Eve for sure. Stayed up late last night because of the Ravens 49ers game. Definitely a little tired today. But what's up, man? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, Got to spend Christmas Eve Eve with you. Yes. Doing football night in America. Good time. Carried me through the finish line on that day. Um, And uh, yeah, I was uh, not that I wasn't looking forward to waking up today yeah but i was not looking forward to waking up today oh it was a struggle waking up today like like one of those where first off like so good the last few days to have a few days off like perfect timing for perfect us. timing was great but then like yeah a little bit like whoa i gotta get back in work mode last night and kind of get on things a little bit to where like yeah it was one of those mornings too where I knew I was going to bed late. I knew I was tired, so I was, like, worried I was going to miss my alarm clock. So it was, like, 3.30 I woke uh, up. I was like, what time is it? Let me check. And then at 4.30 I woke up. But either way, we're here, and we got lots of football to talk about. Was it uh, good, good times with the, with the family, Great. though? Great times with the family. Like, could you – like, there was so much football on. Like, there's Fucking more a. football Fucking a. this Christmas than ever ever before, right? Yes. This was the most football ever. Yeah. Like, three games a... on Christmas, all those games the day before. Yeah, a full slate on Christmas Eve like that, right? That rarely happens. Yeah. I thought it was going to be, like, the coolest day ever. I was like, this is going to be the best family, fireplace, right? You know, food, football. I'm going to be able to do it all. This will be great. It was great for a little bit. So, like, <laughs> my nobody was there. And at 1 o'clock, I was sitting in front of the TV. I yeah. had, like, five games on. I couldn't have been happier. Right? But then family starts to come in. And... I, of course, want to be around my family, and it's, hey, I love you, and I'm hugging you, and I'm also, like, you know, looking over their shoulder as I'm hugging them, trying yeah. to watch the game. And they're like, hold on, hold on, wait, hold on, I'll be there in a second. So, like, I felt for, like, a good part of Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't the greatest family guy because I was a little worried about, like, oh, i got to turn this game on, i got to see what's going on here, and uh, finally settled down as the day went on there. Well, you wouldn't know when you'd be able to catch up and watch the if you That's missed it. That's what I was then, worried about. You're like, well, right. I might not see this. Exactly right. 
Right. So, yeah. Christmas morning's hard to catch up on things, right? Yes. So I was like, I can't be too far behind in that category. Uh, then I wake up Christmas morning, and I knew there was some things I didn't see, right, in, like, totality. To, and then I'm also like, wait, I hope I remember everything because I know I drank a lot on Christmas Eve and smoked a lot, too. So I was like, well, but, but I was in a pretty good spot. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I feel Jack good about Her. it. Jack Herr was I, I had some, uh, Yeah, It wasn't Jack Herrera this weekend. I had some uh, some different ones with sativas, and it was uh, it was a great weekend. Was. I was thinking, too, and I, I was yeah. like, man, this is a bonanza for the NFL, having all these games on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. I, yeah. I did miss some, and I was like, man, I, I bet other people are missing. I wonder what the ratings will be like when they come out. I don't know that they'll be as huge. And, I mean, maybe they will. It's the no, NFL. I would but. think so I would th- I would think you're right. I mean that Dallas Dolphins game I think is going to attract a lot of eyes, mm-hmm. even for the. But but I think that might have been like for a lot of people like the only game people were going to watch that day. Yeah. Right. Like I can't waste my day whole day watching football. I would think ratings are down a little bit. And then hey, the reason we didn't have a Sunday night football game is because. Christmas Eve at night, not a lot of people are going to watch that, right? right? So that's the one where I think, like, Patriots-Broncos, that was probably the one I was most in and out of oh, as yeah. far as the standalone games, right? Like, I was watching it, then it was like, hey, we're, you know, going to eat dessert, and, you know, oh, we go help out and do that, come back in. You know, I might have missed the drive or whatever. So I had to refresh my memory on Christmas morning with that one and, and fill in some holes for sure. I just found out right now those two teams played. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they, they did play. Uh, no, we, we know of every team that played yes, on Christmas Eve, Christmas, two days before Christmas uh, that we had. Four and, days before Christmas. Four days <laughs> <laughs> we got it all. There's been a lot of games happening over the last uh, five days or so. Uh, so we go through it. That is our promise to you guys, the homies, even on the day after Christmas. We've got Pete back there. We've got Andreas punching the buttons today. Luca, yeah. Georgia, Morgan, Woo! McKenzie all working the day after Christmas. So we'll go through the Christmas stunners, the uh, 11 fishes. I bet you know who we're talking about in that category. 11 fishes. Close call. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know. The 11 fishes is a playoff of the seven fishes of the so. Italian family. Families and I, right. I don't. There was no fish that played this weekend. There were some mammals with a hole on the top oh, of their head. Oh wow! But a fish? I don't know. I'm going to throw the challenge flag on that one, Pete. Come <laughs> on. Give me, give me the headlines. Yeah, yeah. Pete wants to know why he didn't mention this because before the pod. Because it's more fun for calling him out like an idiot now. Roast right. him on the pod. Right. Uh, the wild and card. I called him out before the pod started too. <laughs> we did. We did all that. So we'll get to all the games that happened. That's basically the, the summation of that. Uh, let's start with the Christmas stunners. There were two of them here. Um, I almost think the second one that we're going to talk about is a little bit more of a stunner. But let's start with the number one seed in the AFC versus the number one seed in the NFC, because as well as the 49ers have been playing, I guess some people can see this as a stunner, but the Ravens are pretty darn good. Yes. Uh, Even though maybe some people leading up to the game thought that this game would be a blowout in the other direction. Oh, my God. Most notably, the man that you do the show with. That's right. Mike Florio. Mike Flores. Florist. Uh, So in case you missed all of this lead up. He was trending on Twitter in a big way today. Like, I got friends and coaches text. To me, like, man, Twitter is killing Florio. They're roasting Florio. <laughs> they were loving it probably, too, <laughs> they right? Were. Yes, right. Uh, Flor- of any man who can take it, it's Mike Florio. So don't <laughs> feel too bad for him. Uh, so in case you missed any of it, let's show you the, the picks pod of what Mike said. Yeah. And then Lamar, what he said after the game. As long as those key – I mean, I'm not going to change the narrative now. As long as the key players are healthy, they're going to kick out of everybody they face. The, the quest is for second place. That's it. As long as those people stay healthy, they're currently healthy. The 49ers kicked the out of the Ravens Here. on Monday night. I'm sorry. I know that's disrespectful to the Ravens. Because we're in the NFL. We play ball, you know, not to take away from that team. But you can't just discredit us. We grown, man. We got to feed our family. And he can have his opinion. But just don't be just 
just talking like that. You know, that's disrespectful. That's very disrespectful. Because he ain't putting them pads on, you know. If he ain't putting them pads on, I feel like it would have been different for him. He wouldn't say that. He would be respectful, you know. But cause, because uh, I say that to say this, you know, we respectful to our opponents. Our opponents were respectful to us. But a guy who, who not even playing against us just come out just, you know, just being disrespectful. I guess he wanted more views on his, on his little channel. You gonna leave it at that? <laughs> oh my gosh! More views on his channel. It's not a little channel. I mean, our YouTube page has gotten up to at least two hundred thousand people on us. So it's hey, not well, that little. Well, yeah, no, you know, PFT's doing way bigger traffic than that on a daily basis. There we go. What he does, right? I mean, the pod, our pods, and what we do, do you know? So, so, Lamar, that's disrespectful. What you just said to but us. That you know, again, it's it's um, for Forio. Uh, he's a believer in the 49ers, right? He he likes the Ravens, but. When Florio kind of gets all in on one thing, he doubles down and he can yeah. go a little too far at times, right? I mean, he was ready to give Josh Dobbs $150 million guaranteed like six <laughs> weeks ago. Now he doesn't want to see him in the NFL and he's disbanded Nick Bolin and he never liked Kirk Cousins in his life either. Now he's ready to give him $700 million like Shoei Itani. I mean, literally. So that's what you got. Florio can be that way, definitely. Uh, but he was a believer in the 49ers and I think, you know. Who wouldn't be? Well, who wouldn't be? And the way, you know, as I talked about this today too, We've hit this a little, right? I mean, it's been a while since we hit it, but we said earlier in the year, right, when Baltimore plays their best, they look like the 49ers at their best. We thought that. But it's been a while since we had seen that quality of play, right? When you break down, hey, they had the Chargers game on Sunday night on our channel, right? It was kind of underwhelming. They squeaked by the Rams. Could have lost that one, really. Jacksonville, I know they won 23-7, to but it wasn't very impressive and and really didn't play clean football. We're a little sloppy and, and uh, you know, Jacksonville messed some things up, too, along the way where you felt like I don't know if Baltimore created that or if Jacksonville just messed it up, right? So I think those those were the questions. But like a little like we saw earlier this year, when Baltimore scared a little bit, maybe like your Lions or the Seahawks or, oh, no, we can lose to them, when their back's against the wall, they have another level to find within their football team that's special. And I think they came into the game feeling disrespected already. Everybody was pretty much picking the, the 49ers, right? The spread of the football game was 49ers favored by five and a half. Ravens players made comments about that, saying they felt like that was disrespectful. They're a chippy bunch there in Baltimore already, right? Yeah, they're like the 49ers in a lot of ways. They're looking for anything. And then I think, as I told you before the show, they have a ton of people on that coaching staff who are regulars on PFT, the website. So they look at pro football talk. They see our videos. And I can imagine them night before the game, right, we're being disrespectful. You have a team meeting. And then maybe at the end of the team meeting, they show a video of like, hey, some good things you did last week in your win and some highlights and whatever else. And then they splice in some motivational things. And I could see them putting Florio in there. Either it was the night before the game or some on a, a team meeting Friday, whatever it was. Uh, but they obviously, Jim Harbaugh and company were, or John Harbaugh, excuse me, yeah. wanted to show their football team the disrespect Florio, and Florio's getting it back in a big way. What was the headline of Florio's reaction today on, on the show? He was good. He, he honestly said, like, I deserve it. What they did was great. And he was also like, you know, it really wasn't, and he says this, and if you really listen to the whole clip, right, 
He doesn't really get on the Ravens. Ed Moore is waxing poetically about how good he thinks the 49ers are. It's no matter who they play. Exactly. So it wasn't like he attacked the Ravens, but obviously there was enough gushing there about the 49ers where the Ravens were like, we're not chopped liver. All right. And uh, they took that to the heart, took it to the heart, too. And I said this during the show today, too. It was the nicest I've ever seen the 49ers act during a football game. The 49ers showed more respect for the Ravens than I've seen in any other game. I would say the 49ers usually hate everybody mm-hmm. and talk trash. And I saw more smiles and good job and doing all that. I don't think that's the best of the 49ers either. Uh, but but either way, uh, let's let's start to unpack it wherever you want to start. Here. Yeah. Well, let, let's just real quick look at the yeah. quarterbacks because obviously this is the MVP number one, Brock yeah. Purdy, MVP number two, Lamar Jackson. I, I don't think anyone walks away from this game thinking like this has been determined. And this is a weird year for MVP if you wanted to talk about that. Uh, Not determined, but that. I mean, it's a big blow for Brock Purdy. It's almost impossible for him to win the MVP after that yesterday. With a four-interception game, no touchdowns. uh, Greatness call says, damn okay, Lamar Jackson MVP. Damn okay, Kyle Hamilton, Defensive Player of the Year. Damn okay, Ravens, best team in football. Damn okay, Lamar Jackson for calling out Mike Flores. (laughs) Uh, No longer Florio in Baltimore. That is true. He probably goes to Baltimore. He's Flores or Florist, they said, too. I heard (laughs) Flores. What did Flores say? Uh, So it was pretty good. Damn okay, Mike McDonald, the D coordinator there who did used to play or a coach with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Uh, he goes future New England head coach, perhaps uh, crying odds right there. So um, that's, I think that's almost a side story, the MVP, because who knows what will happen. That'll shake out. It's a, it it's will. A I mean, the Dolphins-Ravens game this self is going to have a lot to say yeah, this weekend, right? I mean, good I know point. Lamar is in the lead right now, but, I mean, if – if the Dolphins win and Tua throws for 500 yards, are we telling – or Tyreek has 250 receiving? Yeah. Are you telling me Lamar still got it, like, bottled up? I don't think so. I think it's trending for your guy, Tyreek. I really think. Like, well, I feel like there's definitely some, some love there, but he's still way down there. Uh, hopefully we can continue to break down barriers here. You know, again – Brock Purdy's really good. He does more than the system quarterback, but the system's the greatest there is, as you say, as we've talked about. I mean, again, the week before, he threw a touchdown and passed to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey fell down, got up, and still no one even two-hand touched him before he got in the end zone. He's throwing one of the most open people in football, let alone he's got one of the best running, back, running backs in football and one of the best defenses in football. So, no, you know me. I'm a little more traditional to the word most valuable player, and that, to me, would fit certainly more Lamar. Lamar, the stats don't tell the story with a guy like Lamar Jackson. The stats are going to say 23 to 35, 252, two touchdowns, and we're going to go, well, that's pretty good, but we're not going to go wow, right? But it's when the plays happened in the football game, Mm. the importance of the moment, and that's what, what Lamar is special at. Lamar you know, you can put him in any situation and he can find a way out of it. Oh, there's a guy open, I'll throw it. Oh, there's nobody open, I'll buy some time until somebody gets open. Oh, you know, there's nobody open and I bought some time and still nobody's open, well, I'll go run and get the first down, right? So he has so many ways he can beat you and that's, to me, more of the MVP type of football player there. But yeah, that was the big thing in the game. I mean, a lot of the big moments in the football game, uh, uh, the Ravens won them, and, and, of course, Lamar was a big big part of it, and he capitalized in some big moments to, to help them get over the hump and yeah. you know really kind of dominate the football game. That's a discussion that will continue over the next couple of weeks, but let's get to that. We almost oh. – Oh, wait, are you, so, are you ready to move from this game or no? Oh, no. Okay, good. Jeez. No. Wow. You, you were going to go move on? No, I wasn't going to move oh, on. Okay, good. No, no, where no, where no. are we going to go? I, well, I think we've kind of buried the lead on this a yeah. little bit. Okay, you know, it's like the MVP go. is the discussion. We'll, yeah. we'll discuss that right. the next couple right. weeks. Right. Uh, moving on to the Raiders and Chiefs now. This was a huge Wait. one. I'm just kidding. You're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're screwing <laughs> no, me today. No. You, no. 
Um, so uh, let's get into the, the the meat and potatoes. Okay. Of it, right. Uh, of What's the game. lead? What was the lead other than the MVP? It wasn't the. It shouldn't have been the MVP. But I thought that was an interesting yeah, discussion. The, the the lead is the Ravens just beat a team that looked like they were unstoppable. Was it more self inflicted by the 49ers? Did they screw this up? Did Brock Purdy screw this up, or? Do the Ravens present some real challenges for them? And are should the Ravens be? Because I think before this game, you would have said clearly the 49ers are the best team in football. Yes. Not, not even a doubt. Yeah. You know, not to be disrespectful yeah, to the Ravens. No, but I definitely would have made them clearly number one. Yeah. After this football game, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I mean, how can you not think differently about the Ravens? You know, how can you not? You know, I am. Um, we know they were really good. Like we said earlier in the year, there was moments where you looked at them and you went, man, they're best. They look as good as anybody in football. But it was like few and far between a little bit to where you're like, okay, wait, is that not going to happen again or whatever else there? There, to what you said, gosh, there's so many levels into where this was impressive and things they did. First off, you know, the analogy I used like with Florio today is like they were a, like a wobbly boxer early on in the football game. Like, right? I mean, the fact that like the 49ers march down the field and they throw an interception in the end zone, you're like, damn, that looked easy, though, for the 49ers. I know that was a bad interception, but damn, they marched right down the field, right? Yeah. Then they get the safety. You got refs tackling them. You got them. refs tackling Lamar after he goes back 25 yards. Where I was like, where the hell is he going? Which I will say to that, I felt bad for the ref, too. Yes. And oh, so people, I did too. It's like. Yeah. If you do scramble back and around, there is a chance you're going to run into a referee at some point. Well, you know? it definitely. And the ref does not want to be in that in that <laughs> yeah. position at all. But, yeah, when you go 20 – I mean, they were, the ball was on the 20-yard line. Yeah. He tripped over the ref four yards deep in the end zone. Yeah. Right? So, like, he's not thinking, like, we were going to go this far back. That's very rare that that happens. But between that – then them going down and getting a field goal. So it was at 5 nothing, and you were going, well, this feels like it should be more than 5 nothing." And it was like, man, the 49ers, you know, look like they're a little bit of a cut above the Baltimore Ravens. But the Ravens a little wobbly. They bought some time on the rope and took some big breaths. And all of a sudden, they started landing some body shots on the Niners. And all of a sudden, they started throwing a few haymakers. And there we were like, holy crap. The 49ers are wobbly and about to go down here, and this is about to be over, right? So that's where I give them credit for kind of withstanding the initial storm of the fans, the 49ers' energy, intensity, hanging in there during that part. And then, okay, everybody's settled into the game now, and the initial emotions and uh, emotions of the game are gone, and we're just playing football now, and Shanahan's first 10 are not along, oh, in the mix anymore. Some of those tricks he did to us. we got to feel for how you want to attack it. Now it becomes mono e mono a little bit. And that's where, you know, the Ravens, we always talk about, they like to be the bullies, so do the 49ers. They certainly were intimidated by the 49ers. I would say they have a bigger football team than the 49ers. The 49ers mm-hmm. are pretty big, you know that. Right, but the the Ravens are really big. Probably not as fast as the 49ers, but bigger. And that's where you're like again, I think their ability to hey, our D line. Hey, Travis Jones is playing D end. He's 330 pounds. We're putting him at D end because we want one other guy. And so we don't have to go all in to stop the run. We got some big people up front that give us some flexibility in the back end, right? So I think they have that going for them. And then we always talk about this, and this is to me. And I know you've heard me say it a million times, and so have the listeners. When you play an offense like this, right, you got to take some gambles. you got to do some things where it's like, Shanahan hasn't seen us do this. We're going to have to do this. We, we could get burned, but, like, we can't stop them all day long. So we got to take some tactical gambles, chances, whatever. That, to me, the, the first interception by Purdy, okay. he's going to run the ball to the left, right? 
he realizes the corner's blitzing. So he pulls it. He does right because he's been taught, like, if you get a free safety blitz or a corner blitz, just throw it out there to Debo Samuel. But they're going, we can't play this straight up. we got to cause a little chaos here and, and throw some chaos into their game plan and the, the systematic, you know, beautifulness of Shanahan's system there. So now he does that, but now they're in Brock Purdy's face. They tip the ball, interception. So a little controlled chaos gets them an interception, right? And I think that was kind of me, the, 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 the theme of the night is their defense and Mike McDonald was able to match some wits with Shanahan, which you rarely see that. Whether that was a creative blitz, something they were doing in the run game, or sometimes there was plays where I go, they blitz that I'm expecting they drop back to pass, and I'm going, oh, well, they're gonna, there's going to somebody be open downfield. He kind of got protected, and he's going to be somebody's going to be open. But they obviously, this is why I can't wait to watch the film. They must have had a feel for Shanahan a little bit and like the patterns and little tendencies because I, they'd blitz, and I'd go, well, gosh, they only have like three or four guys deep to, to cover the receivers, and they must have been in, in and outing them and all over it. Hmm. Uh, and that's where Mike McDonald, to me, is definitely one of the best defensive minds in football. Uh, Kyle Hamilton was good. He left the game. You clearly was a physical game, too, because it was like yeah. 49ers are limping around, and Trent Williams didn't finish the game. Brock yeah. Purdy doesn't finish the game right. with a stinger that's yep. been an issue. So that's maybe a bit of a concern moving yep. forward, although Sam Darnold did come in and gave you maybe 80% of what, what a good Brock Purdy would yeah, give you. some good things. Good to have a back, good backup quarterback, or at least a competent one. Yeah, he's a really like good backup is. quarterback. Um, all right, so so moving. But like you said, like did they mess it up, right? Yeah. I believe it the was four a little interceptions. bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Right? I feel like the 49ers, th- this, th- this is to your point where you said, like, you know, yeah, we all thought they were the best. They kind of been steamrolling everybody. This will be the learning experience for them to go, hey, we, we're aggressive and we're crazy, but, you know, there's going to be a team or two every now and then where maybe just throwing the ball on the ground or throwing it out of bounds or, you know, not scrambling around and trying to fit a ball in the run. Maybe that's, this is the type of team we just, you know, pull it in a little bit. Don't do that. You can be careful a little bit because they can make some things happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like the first interception was totally his fault. The second one was a really good play by the Ravens. The corner blitz knocks the ball up in the air, right? The third one is him scrambling, right? And that's the one Kyle Hamilton catches it off the tip pass, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like, again, not an egregious quarterback mistake, you know, it's a little like, man, that's tight, and you are throwing it across your body. But as a as a coach, you're going, I, you're not going to feel like he's not seeing the field, and it's like a deer in the headlights, right? You know, like I said, the first interception was bad. The second one, a little unlucky, good play. Third interception, okay, he's still okay. Fourth interception, he gets hit as he's throwing by Travis Jones that we just talked about. And then Patrick Queen gets it. So it wasn't plays where you're going to look at Brock Purdy and go, oh, man, he was totally off. He wasn't seeing the field right, right? You know, it was a little bit more team-oriented because of Mike McDonald and the game plan they had, because of the physicality of the Ravens, right? Those things added to that as well. Brock Purdy will be fine. I don't doubt that. But that was just, you know, big time by the Ravens, creating the turnovers. The third and 16 scramble before the half by, by Lamar, right, to get him down there close. And then, of course, the, the get the ball, dump it off to Gus Edwards, right? He gets down to the five-yard line, and then they score a touchdown. And then the next series is the interception, the, I believe that was the fourth interception by Purdy. And now you're like, holy shit, this was a game like two minutes ago. And now it's 30 to 12, right? 
I mean, it had the feeling of like, yeah, the Ravens are controlling, but uh, the 49ers are going to come back and swing the momentum in their way, and we're going to get a close football game until like, holy shit, are the Ravens going to blow them out of the, the water here? Yeah. And, of course, they became very close to that. All right, last one. Orion Chuzzlewit says, hope you guys had a good Christmas. Thanks, Orion. You too. Chris brought up, brought up last week that getting blown out in December doesn't bode well for a team's Super Bowl chances Yeah. talking about the Cowboys. Does the same apply to the 49ers after their 14-point loss last it's night? It's a good question. I knew I was going to get this type of question, right? Because I knew what I had said. I'd said that about the Cowboys. I said it about the Eagles, right, too. I just go, Super Bowl teams don't lose three weeks in a row and two of them where they get totally killed, right? This is where, like, you don't see a Super Bowl team lose by 14 in December very often, right? In fact, the last 10 Super Bowl winners, nobody's like, you know, we brought this up, have lost by double digits in December. But where I will say is there's a little silver lining here. This wasn't like, to me, this is different than Buffalo-Dallas, or even 49ers Philadelphia, where there was a true ass-kicking in all phases. You were like, people are wide open. They're running down your throat. You run the ball and you run into a wall, right? You drop back and you get sacked and nobody's open. That, to me, is, like, concerning. This is one where they outgained the Ravens by 100 yards, right? (laughs) They made a lot of plays, you know, now some of it, and then they had some mistakes that were self-inflicted too, but I didn't, I'm not going to come away from this one and go, oh man, if they play again, they're in deep trouble. No, there's yeah. a little bit of like, you know, 49ers did some good things, but didn't play their best football, got a team that was chippy and motivated, hadn't played their best game in a while and they were due. And the 49ers made some mistakes that we haven't seen them really make, you know, since their three game losing streak. So, you know, it, to uh, Orion, that, that's a really good question, uh, but I, I do think it's a little difference in the nuance there as compared to some of the other games we've talked about. And it's the third time since, what, the merger that the one seed has played the one seed in December. So we don't get a matchup of this quality usually from a Super Bowl that's contending team. That's a very good point, too. So exactly the right. the fact that they were playing a 12-3 and three Ravens right. team is part of the that's conversation, right. too, there. And, of course, from working out in San Francisco, for me, on my timeline, I get a lot of 49ers fans. Yeah, and it's right, like the, right. the sky is falling, which is what, what we do in the NFL, right? You lose one game, the sky is falling. The sky is not falling. But uh, exactly. Exactly. As, as a fan of any other team in, in football, you're like, how could one loss like this bless you? Um, bless you. Jeez, too. I, Thank my you. Gosh. Allergic to you. Um, yeah, I, it's just like the team has looked so dominant for so long, and now you went up against a good Ravens team who's 12-3. and three. I think you can give them a pass for one. Yeah, no, give, give them a pass. And again, too, like, like we talked about, I mean, you know, it's it's they score on the first drive, right? They don't get held to a field goal, maybe to make it five nothing, and it went to nine nothing. I mean, you know, there were some big moments in the game. You know, even at even even before the half, like I said, the thirteen six, it's it's thirteen twelve, Baltimore, right? And then he makes the big scramble, and it's oh man, they got a little more momentum. So you know, and the gotta have it moments, the Ravens were more motivated, they were more physical, and they made the big time plays, and Lamar Jackson was phenomenal, and it's just a testament to their. Team, their organization, and their whole culture. It's one of those games where if they played again next week, I w- it wouldn't be like because the Ravens won this game, I would automatically. Oh, no, yeah, definitely the, not. The Ravens right. would win the right. next week. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Right. Uh, Chiefs and uh, Raiders, if they played again next week, I have no idea what's going to happen because I have no idea who the Chiefs are right yeah, now. No, the Raiders no. win this game 20-14 to 14, despite even throwing for a yard. Aiden O'Connell the throws comical. for, what, 64 yards in the first quarter and then doesn't throw for a passing yard after that. Yeah. And they win. Yeah. And it wasn't like it was even that close. The Chiefs with a late touchdown to make it a little closer. But 20-14, to 14, Raiders get the win over the Chiefs. This is one of the more mind-boggling. They score in back-to-back defensive plays after the fumble and then the, the pick six. Like, red alert for the Chiefs? Like, what what's going on? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a little red alert. It, it, you know, we've had moments where we've gone, hey, even when they win, it's a little sometimes red alert. Like, I'll go back to the last Raiders game. They won 31-17. to I know after the pod there, I still came in and was like, it wasn't really like surgical. And like they were like just it – was, it was Mahomes making backyard plays. And that's cool. And you can get away with it against a lot of teams in football. But you're not going to get away with it with – you know, better teams, and sometimes a team that, whoa, we've seen you once, and now we're going to adjust our formula. And I do think, again, you've heard me say all year, it's a good defense. And with Max Crosby and, and now another edge rusher, right, to go along with that, that certainly improves their football team and takes away Mahomes' ability to the backyard game. And then there are the offensive line injuries for the Chiefs where, yeah, okay, we're not a good offense. We rely on Mahomes' magic, and now we can't even like, let him look downfield. As soon as he pats the ball, he's got to run around because we're not blocking anybody. You know, Those are issues. The Chiefs got to come to realization of who they are. They are a defensive football team right now. Stop looking to regain some magic from the 2017 or 2018 team, like or 2019. Like none of that's happening. The league is caught on to this offense. They don't have weapons. And my big thing with the Chiefs is you can't be not talented in the pass game and not creative in the pass game. They have a double whammy working right now, and that's really tough to overcome. But having said all of that, too. Like, trick play on your own nine-yard line? That's how desperate we are, right? To me, that's where, you know, me, I'm a little bit like, you're playing the Raiders. Your defense is great. Trick play on your own nine-yard line, right? Fitting the ball in against a guy like Jack Jones on the sideline with a guy, Justin Watson, who we know people aren't necessarily scared of to get beat downfield, right? Just like, know who you are, know the style of play you need to play. The Chiefs are a team right now where I look at it and, like, they want to win their best win is 20 to 17, 17, 14. And that's how they have to look at it. They're going to look at, let's play defense. Mahomes be smart. 
we'll get the game late in the fourth quarter, and then Mahomes, you be clutch and win it for us. That's their best way to do it. They got to stop thinking they're going to be like this, like you know, fifty touchdown pass, five thousand yard passing football team. Not going to happen. They have lost four of their last six games at yeah. the Chiefs right now. They play the Bengals next week. They could lose that one. They play the Chargers after that, and they could lose that one too. I mean, the well, way they, they play this anybody. game, it seems like yeah. they could lose to anyone. Right. Um, I think we have a photo of Jack Jones here, Andreas, with the, uh, the pick six <laughs> yeah, for the I've second straight game. Have you seen this? He I was, have. Uh, yep. In the Christmas spirit. There he is, the Grinch. The Grinch. He stole Christmas. Stole the football. Right. A little sprint out pass. Okay. Right after the picked up fumble for a touchdown. Oh, let's sprint out and get us back in rhythm. That's kind of like, you know, a go-to thing for offenses at time. When a DB sees the... The wide receiver, I mean, the quarterback sprint out like that, right? And he sees the two receivers to his side in the combination. There's very limited things offenses do. So if you have any brains at all as a DB and you see the outside guy kind of go on a straight release, it's like they're, they, don't, we don't, they don't run sprint outs and throw bombs down the field. That doesn't happen. That's not in the offensive playbook. So with the guy on the outside is running straight, he's either running a curl route, which you'll see because the inside receiver will run to the flat. So you're going to go, oh, here comes that play. Or it becomes they sprint out and the outside guy runs a six-yard hitch route and the inside guy runs a corner route, right? And that looks like what they did. But he, this is Jack Jones. He's been around here for a few years. He's got some instincts as far as getting after the ball and interceptions where he recognized it and jumped all over it. And he was like, this is Justin Watson. They're not sending him deep. And then he sees the guy, Mahomes, running that way. He probably felt the inside receiver. And he's like, he's about to settle down. And he's going to throw it to him. And he got a pick six, and that was all she wrote. Malcolm Koontz, three sacks in the game, had five sacks in the last two games. Now he had four sacks in his previous 35 career games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just all the numbers that I could read off here for Kansas City just make them look as bad as they were in this game. But it's just still amazing. Aiden O'Connell, first quarter, he was 9 of 11 for 62 yards. It was all the first the, drive, The last right? three quarters, he was 0 for 10. No yards. And, and they it, beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You, you, just, you don't. That's not like a, a normal <laughs> stat line. That, that's, it really isn't. It's kind of incredible. Um, there's just there's only so long the 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 Chiefs can you know hang in there the defense and they can't and make it, it happen and do it all the time here the offense they they're gonna have to find a way here to me how would they do that so what what would that look they like? they have I mean? to become more expansive in their run game they have to expand their run game ideas can you do that at this point in the season I think you can yes I don't because they have enough of a framework down as far as running the football right we know they've been as balanced as we've ever seen them throughout the Mahomes you know uh, tenure here but like yes can they add a few more wrinkles to their run game. Just a few more ideas. It won't take a ton. But they're a little bit of one of those teams where I go, you know, I watch a game and go, they only really got four or five runs they run. Mm. And they run it repetitively to where, you know, with this team they got and these receivers and everything there, yeah, they're going to have to, you know, be a little more creative in that department because they're not going to be able to depend on the receivers getting open, big plays that way. And, of course, dropping the balls is still an issue there in Kansas City as well. Maybe they could do something like where Pacheco gets it and then, like, fakes it to Mahomes or hands it to Mahomes or something like that. I don't know. They already But it's just – it's so bad. It's the, you know, the turnovers, two pick two, – two defensive touchdowns. They missed a chip shot field goal. But even without that – They shanked a punt at the end of the 
football game, and that's yeah. how the Raiders got the last field goal no, to make true. it 20, right? I mean, he punted. I think they got the ball at the 42-yard line or something like that. Yeah. It's just a disaster all the way through. Shocking to see. Without those mistakes, they maybe win this game like like 9 to, yeah. nine to 3, right. 9 to 6. Exactly right, 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 exactly right. But that's where I think they're going to have to adjust the way they think a little bit here down the stretch, you know. They're going to have to gauge it a little bit and get a feel for games early on the game and go, you know what, this is, a, this is one of those defensive struggle games and we've got to be comfortable to say we'll win 13-10, to 10, we'll win 16-10, to 10, whatever. But don't try to think, oh, we're going to make magic and well, this will be the week we explode and show everybody we're really the number one offense in football. That's not fucking happening. Give up that pipe dream. So it's over, Chiefs. It's over. You're going to be a playoff team. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got a good defense. You still got things going for you. But this is not those uh, those teams from uh, yesteryear, even last year with no. the Kansas City Chiefs. Time to move on to the eleven fishes category that you would rename the eleven mammals. I mean, gosh, guys, killing a dangerous species over here, Pete. I mean, what a jerk this guy is. The Dolphins killed the Cowboys uh, this past week. I didn't kill them, but they won the game, twenty-two to twenty. Good game, good finish too. Yeah, Dolphins finish. needed a drive at the end of the game after right. the Cowboys showed some. Some grit on grass and on the road. Yeah, that both was the team big... showed it a little. So that was the question coming in, right? It was just like the, the got the Dolphins team playing at home, but they hadn't beaten a team with an above 500 record all season long. You had the Cowboys playing on grass away from home. I think probably they both walk away with some positives. I think so. In this one. Yep. Uh, the Dolphins had the final positive. Tyreek Hill, 99 yards in this one. Did look like Jalen Waddell uh, left the game. as a high ankle sprain. Could miss the rest of the regular season. Oof. So it's going to be more on uh, more on Tyreek Hill there. Uh, Tua had 31 yards on the game-winning drive. What'd you what what'd you what you make of this one? What did he, both teams kind of show you in this? I, I do. I, both teams showed some grittiness. This would be a game where the way it kind of played out, where I would have gone, oh, I think Dallas will win a low scoring or a low 20s type of scoring football game, right? I always kind of was like, ah, I felt like if it got to 28-24, 31-28, that was going to be Miami's territory. When the game gets ugly. Right. That was my big question with Miami. Can they win an ugly football game? That's kind of what we saw all three of their losses this year, or, or I should say all four of their losses, really, were kind of like teams made it ugly, the offense couldn't get in the shootout, and they weren't capable of, of you know, winning that type of football game. Now, obviously, there's more positives to them in this one just because they can sit here and go, not only did we win an ugly game, it wasn't necessarily a track meet, but we found other ways to, to win the game. I mean, not only did Tua throw the ball well, but they showed that they were tougher running the ball up front than the Dallas Cowboys. And Miami, last-second drive against a quality football team, that really hasn't happened a whole lot in the Tua era yet, right? Am I wrong to say that in the mm. Tua era? I feel like in the Tua era, I know he's had some clutch comeback wins and all that, but I don't feel like they were against quality teams like this. So I think there's some positives here to where how it translates to playoff football and their confidence as, as we go forward. Uh, I think that's the encouraging thing for the Dolphins. But, you know, to me, the Dolphins just have, compared to the Cowboys – have more avenues on offense, right? We know how good the passing game is and their screen game. And, you know, Tua is a good deep ball thrower, and we saw some of that. And then, of course, to me what the Dolphins showed is some physicality and, and, and the ability to run a few times where it's like, yeah, there's people in the box, but you got to man up here and, and move the ball a little bit. You know, they, they won that aspect of the game too. You know, Dallas, it's work for Dallas, right? Dallas's offense is work, and you've heard me say before, it's, it's good players 
But the system is it's just not overly creative. And somebody like Vic Fangio and the Dolphins, you know, they were all over some of their stuff. I mean, you just take away really, you know, uh, you take away the big slant to C.D. Lamb, another big crosser he had in the first quarter and all that. I mean, after that, and then the jump ball to Tolbert at the end, and you go, well, well Dallas, everything else was very hard through the day. That's my word I keep coming back to. And, of course, mm-hmm. it doesn't help when you fumble on the one-yard line to start the freaking game after a great drive and come away with no points, giving the ball to a fullback who never touches the ball, but in a big moment in one of the biggest games of the year, we're going to go, hey, guy that never touches the ball, and we just ask you to block people, carry the ball for us here. I hate that call, too. Uh but good win by the Dolphins. Yeah, you look at the numbers for the Cowboys on the ground. They did run for 97 yards as a team, but it was work. And the longest run for a running back in the game yeah. was Tony Pollard, a seven-yard run. Okay. That was right. the longest run right. by a running back. A couple of wide receiver yeah, runs. Yeah, the reverses Lambs, and all that. Dak had a few scrambles, scrambles right? Yeah, so that's what I'm – like, the the the, the – and, and that's where stats and rushing stats are misleading in the mm-hmm. NFL right now because of all the speed sweeps and the reverses and all of these type of things. You're just like, well, they had a good day running the ball. But to me, a good day running the ball is like, no, our five linemen moved your five linemen, and we handed the ball off to the running back. And not that the Dolphins killed it that way, but, you know, they at least had some success in that area. Dallas had to continue to worry about that and, and not get gashed by Mozart and, or HN. Pete notes in our rundown here that Tua has four game-winning drives okay. in the last two seasons. Right. 2012, a couple weeks, five and six, back-to-back weeks at Baltimore. Yep, that's right. Baltimore last year when the Ravens blew two the big ago. lead, remember? Oh, that was no, two years ago. No, that, wait, 20, it was wait, last what season. this? Last, oh, last season, season remember yes, early in the year they had that one they didn't cover like Jalen yep. Waddle down the left sideline. Yep. They messed up yep. some things, yep. right? And yep. yeah, that was a big one. What was the other one? Uh the next week against the Buffalo Bills. Oh yeah. The Bills at home. At home. Yeah. Fourth quarter wasn't necessarily late for it. It was early-ish fourth yeah, quarter, right. so it wasn't the last. That's where, like, Josh sessions. Allen missed the throw into the flat for the guy to win the game in the end zone. Um, yeah, okay. I'm that, my memory's that good. Uh, week one. Like at, a dolphin, like week, one of the 11 fishes. I don't, I, I, this That's is how all, good my memory is. I have no idea if any of this is true. Week one earlier this year, which I don't even remember that happening well, That was either. a Chargers game. Chargers game. Yeah, it was a shootout. He hit the big go route down the right sideline to Tyreek. Late in the late in the fourth quarter, that set up their game-winning field goal. Again, memory like one of the I don't eleven know how fishes. You do that. I don't know how you do that. Uh, one last thing on the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, it was, it was a, it touchdown. Was a touchdown. Ah, I was a little off. There Damn, that go. extra puff of weed made erased it. Damn it. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys defense. I think that the going into this year, and there are times during this year that you're like, this is a a solid elite-ish defense. Yeah. I'm starting to get the feeling that it's Micah Parsons who's elite and everyone else is just kind of there and good, but not great because he had uh, three quarterback hits. He had eight pressures in this game. The rest of the Cowboys had only five quarterback pressures. I, I mean, Micah Parsons, if you gave me the first pick of a defense player in football, I'm thinking Micah Parsons, period. I mean, I don't care what the stats say. When you weren't turning on the film, there's nobody that I look at on a week-to-week basis where I go, whoa, who the hell was that guy? Whoa, whoa, that was Micah. Oh, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's it's incredible. The, I thought the roughing penalty he had on two, I don't know if you saw that. That was horrible, right? He was. It was one step. You know, and you know, I believe I don't think it cost them because I think they still held the the Dolphins to a field goal in that drive. Um, but I think your mo- main point is the point. There's Again, like, like I had some people rate, like the other night. I went the Steelers defense. It's just it's three people, and right, and people are like, oh, it's still the Steelers, and they got three people, and I'm like, yeah, but like, 
really good defenses, I can name like seven guys right off the bat and just be like, boom, boom, ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. I don't think that's the case for the Cowboys. To me, it's like Micah Parsons, Deron Bland, okay? And then I go to Dexter Lawrence, or, uh, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. Yeah. That's not like elite defensive category. Let's let's name off the guys on the 49ers or the Ravens, right? We go Clowney, Queen, Roquan, Hamilton, uh, Humphrey, uh, Marcus uh, Marcus Williams is a really damn good safety, right? Matabuke is like the best interior pass rusher in football. Like, there's seven guys right there. The 49ers, we can go through seven, right? The Dolphins, I can go to five or six, right? The Cowboys, it's like Micah Parsons, Deron Bland. DeMarcus Lawrence is still good. He's not a superstar. And then it's like, who else are we going to talk about? And that's kind of what we hit on last week. The middle linebackers are below average. Their interior D line's below average. The safeties are below average, right? So, you know, that's where I'm with you. You know, their scheme, their aggressiveness, the way Dan Quinn coaches them, you know, it, 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 it uh, allows them to attack and play free and crazy. But I'm not sure they're like a dominant, dominant D to, to, to what we think or maybe what the stats say. See what they are in the playoffs. Yeah, that, we will. Uh, that's the Cowboys season from the beginning was always going to be what do they do in the postseason. Time to get to the close calls from teams that are either playoff teams, hope to be playoff teams, on the fringes of it, uh, the maybe games that were a little bit more difficult than they had hoped. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills was one on our NFL-exclusive Peacock game, the first time in the history of the world. Woo! There was an exclusive game on Peacock, and my dad was watching us, and he goes, I'm glad that, that you guys said it was $5.99, best deal on the stream. He goes, I think people here, it's like I got to buy uh, something. Like, I wonder how much it is. It's like 20 bucks a month. Right. No, it's a great deal, reasonable deal. Yeah. You get Columbo with it the whole series. One more thing. One more thing. Yes. Uh, so the Bills were on uh, Peacock, and, and as I said during the, the broadcast, anything can happen in an NFL exclusive game on Peacock because this especially was a game. Especially when the Chargers are involved. Especially when the Chargers are involved. <laughs> Uh, first game without uh, Brandon Staley, Giff Smith, who I learned earlier that day that it is Giff it and is not Giff. Right. Um, they lost by two. They they stayed in this one. They they looked as supercharged as they have in a in a long time. So the Bills they were down to sixteen percent odds of making the playoffs after that Week Twelve loss in Philly. They have won three straight, even though this one was closer than we thought. They're up to eighty five percent, but they didn't look like that team. They had looked like previously. What what do you make of the Bills' performance in this one? Getting a win, but also not looking like the the elite team or the the, the better team that they have over the last weeks. I, I always look at these kind of games, and one the new coach bump the, the new coach bump is real, mm. right? New energy. We got rid of that guy, right? There's new vibes in the building, right? So there's that. Also, the psychology of like, hey, we just blew out the Cowboys. We beat the Chiefs the week before that. We should have beat the Eagles before that, right? We're kind of good. Oh, it's Easton Stick and the shitty-ass Chargers who just got beat 63-20 to 20 by the Raiders, right? Those are real things. I don't care who you are. It's hard to get that out of your mind or be totally motivated on a Thursday practice. Totally motivated on a Thursday practice is, oh, shit, we could lose this week. That's that like the Ravens probably were this week. Oh gosh, right. So that that's this is like this is one of those games where I, I'm sure they were like, well, if we play our B minus game, we'll still beat them. That's so yes. And then I think there was a little bit is you know they couldn't get in a rhythm offensively at least consistently through the day. And I think that this is one of those things too where 
I think the Chargers did some things to them schematically that, that this is what stinks when you play a new head coach is they have a few new wrinkles. The new head coach goes, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to play this coverage. When a team does this, I want to do that. And McDermott, who's like a specialist at going, I know what the other team does, and I'm so prepared for every move they make, and if this guy goes that way, I'm there, and this, right? All of a sudden, that's chopped out from underneath them in this football game because they're like, well, I don't, fuck, they're breaking tendencies everywhere. They never do that. They never play this defense, right? We didn't even game plan for that approach totally, right? So I think there was a little bit of that that went into it, let alone the, hey, the Chargers are, they're still pros and there's still a lot of good damn players there who were extremely embarrassed by, you know, what they did the, the week before. You just gave me an idea for yeah. every number seven seed in the playoffs. Just stop doing what you did all year and just do something different. <laughs> well, right. Pretend well, you just got a new coach. Yeah. Well, it, it depends. You don't want to stop. I mean, it, theirs was broken. Yeah. So that's okay. If you have something that's good, you don't want to take that approach necessarily. But there has to be always that somewhere infused to me. Again, that goes back to like what we talked about with the Ravens defense. You're playing Shanahan. You better do a few things that they didn't, Shanahan didn't prepare for. Shanahan does that to people every week. Oh, I run this play in this formation, this play in this formation. Oh, here comes the old, you know, I'm going to screw you play off of that formation because you think I'm going to do this. Uh, there has to be that element. But, yeah, I think that played into it a little bit. Either way, I was glad the Bills pulled off the win because I do think there's no doubt that the Bills are one of the best teams in the AFC and certainly deserve to be in the playoffs and will lead to good playoff viewing if they're in. They're in the playoffs right now. They're the sixth seed currently at nine and six. Crazy. Uh, Gabe Davis went off again. Four catches, 130 yards, a touchdown. Pete notes like, here, Sims's favorite wide receiver 1B in the NFL. Well, it's like he either doesn't get a catch and you don't hear from him or he catches for one, 110, right? He's kind I of mean, a cool guy to have. It, 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 you it never is. know when it's going to happen. You, you don't. You never know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, he did, you know. Made some plays, certainly. I mean, nothing. It was a great catch with the Josh Allen scramble to the right and throw the ball on the run, 57-yard pass there. Gabe, like, basically fingertipped it. That was really impressive. Um, But, hey, you know, again, they need him to start showing up on a consistent basis. And I will say it's still encouraging with the Bills and the fact of trying to attack through the run game and play that way and not let Josh Allen having to throw the ball 38 or 40 times. I still like the approach by them, mm-hmm. and I think that still will be successful for them in the, in the long run. Gabe Davis's last five games, 130 yards, zero, zero, 105 yards, zero. See? It's, it's, I mean, I, didn't even, I don't even look that up. I just know off the top of my head it's something like you didn't that. didn't see him. It's incredible. Uh, the Chargers almost won one for the Giffer. They, they were so won close won to winning one on Peacock, but didn't happen. Uh, the Eagles won one against your Giants. Yes, they 33-25, did. 33-25, a whole lot more difficult than maybe people out there thought. Although this is now what we've come perhaps to expect with the Eagles, that they're going to make things more difficult A little like the Chiefs, right? It's just like they, they got like, you know, dumb shit running through their blood. It's just like, hey... We're playing good, but we'll do something dumb here in a minute to let you back in the freaking football game. I'm pissed at them because I have them as a best bet, all mm. right? And it was 20-3, to three and they were getting the ball to start the second half, and they run into each other like the bad news bears? I'm not, I mean, yeah. run, run into each other and fumble the ball and give the Giants the ball, score, short field touchdown. And even still within that, I'm going, well, they're fine. They'll be okay. And they march down the field, and then Goddard falls down. And he throws a pick six. Jalen Hurts. I'm like, holy crap. So you couldn't uh, even enjoy your Giants giving the Eagles a game. No, I, 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 I could not really totally <laughs> enjoy it because I was like – 
I wanted like a competitive Philly dominate them at the end and put this damn game away. That's what I was kind of hoping for there. Uh, uh, all in all, uh, again, I think there's moments of you look at the Eagles and go, damn, they do some really good things, definitely. You know, running the ball, I'll almost say the same thing like you heard me say with the Chiefs. I would just They need to do more running the ball, more ideas in the run game schemes. I like that. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, Brown, Devontae, they got to go, and certainly. And their defense, for the most part of the day, was, was suffocating. I mean, other than about, you know, what was it, the first drive of the game, right? You know, which was a long field goal. And then the long touchdown pass to Darius Slayton. I mean, those the, the Eagles' defense is coming away feeling good about everything they did. All the other things were set up by the Eagles' offense messing it up. Um, so good by the Eagles, but, yeah, they have that little disease right now. We're going to do something dumb or stupid like well, that, once or twice a game. That's Hurts uh, is getting into that Jimmy Garoppolo category where it's just like there's going to be one play per game that – it's gonna really it, 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 it is a little crazy right now. It is. It is. He did so many good things throughout the football game and made a lot of big-time throws. But, you know, even that interception, I'm not going to put that on him. Mm. Goddard should keep his feet there, right? Goddard takes too long of his stride and then tries to cut off that foot with it not really being underneath his body. And his feet fall out from underneath him. So I certainly am not going to blame Hurts on that one. Um, what did I, what did I want to say? Here? What did oh, you want uh, to say? Yeah, uh, Tommy Cutlets. That's it. We're done with Tommy DeVito. I'm not Arrivederci. I'm not shocked. It felt like they were doing it based on just the energy he was providing for the football team. There's no way he's as good as Tyrod Taylor, right? And they're, you know, there's only so many ways they can trick it up to find him completions and do stuff like that. And I think that's what they came to the realization with yesterday. Finally, it's just that. You know, and we, we, we can't just, like, look for the moment to go, oh, we finally got him in the defense we wanted. Let's call that special play we worked on all week. They got to be like, we need a system. We need some a guy that can throw the ball, put some plays together, string a drive together, and I think that's where we'll, we'll see Tyrod Taylor throughout, uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, my, my son is uh, nine years old. I think it'll be cool when he takes his kid to a game and watches Tyrod Taylor play in the NFL. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> I think that, that one day, it's like a rite of passage for every young child going to an NFL Back game. Tyrod was a backup. Now he's a starter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I covered him in high school. At Hampton, Crabbers, oh, high school, right. yeah. Junior Tech. Baller, right. Uh, he was always so good. All right, so the Eagles do get a win, even though it was more difficult, 33-25. to 25. The Lions, kind of similar story. They got a win over the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, 30-24. to 24. Let's celebrate first because they have not done this in 30 years. They won the NFC woo, North. Woo, woo, woo. They are division champions. It is awesome. They're going to host a playoff game. Yeah. I hope it's not against Matt Stafford, my second favorite player of all time. But someone's going up the rankings of my third favorite player. He's not there yet, but he's trending in that. He's getting top five already. Gibbs? Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, right? He is so fun to watch. I mean, it's... It's the old saying, a wise man once said, this guy's got three rockets up his ass. I mean... <laughs> it's so wise. He, he's like, he's special that way. I, I'll say for the second week in a row, there's a few... I, they need to give him the ball more. There's a few Garys that Montgomery got where I went, oh, if that was Gibbs there, watch out. Who knows what happens there? He's special, you know? He is. Offense was clicking, right? All cylinders. I didn't know... I, I honestly did not know if you'd be able to move the ball like that on Minnesota. Minnesota just so well coached and creative. Aggressive. Right? Aggressive. They do a lot of different stuff, certainly. 
Um, so I, th- that was impressive with the way, you know, golf, the running game, everything worked, you know, in unison there. I think the thing that just is a little scary was how they moved the ball on you guys once again. Now, there were some moments in the game where I was like, I like what I'm seeing from Detroit here a little bit, right? They, to me, were – it felt like first half, early third quarter – that they were bringing a few blitzes and pressures that the Vikings were like, whoa, we, I've never seen the Lions do this. They were taking some tactical gambles, like we were saying. I think they, it's something you guys got to do because I think they're a little bit like you guys aren't good enough on defense to just stay back and play sound defense and think it's going to work, right? So Aaron Glenn's going to have to dial up some creativity to you know fill in some of these holes. It's just that, yeah, you got to pick and choose at the right time, and man, Kevin O'Connell, he knows how to get some people open, right? Because, I mean, I just feel like if that wasn't Nick Mullins at quarterback, I think you guys probably would have lost that game. Well, Hawkinson got hurt yep. in the game. Jordan right. Addison got hurt That's in the right. game. So they yep. were down two of their biggest weapons. Justin Jefferson did go off 141 yards. But, yeah, Nick Mullins, 411 yards, did have those four interceptions. So you got to give some credit to the Lions defense for creating the big turnover. West Kruger asks you, what do you think of Nick Mullins? He gives me heart attacks yeah. watching him. Yeah, he's well, he's given me heart attacks ever since he was with the 49ers. You know, he had one of those, like, magical starts to his career, right, where it was like, oh, my gosh, he's so efficient, and we haven't seen anybody come into the league like this. And it was yeah. like, you know me, I was like, well, I mean, Shanahan's got everybody wide open. It, you know, it's not that hard to play quarterback like that. But as the time goes on, you know, this is kind of what he does. He's not a high-level thrower of the football. He can hold on to the ball in the pocket too long. He's not a great athlete where he's going to be able to escape and make things happen there, right? He's got to learn to manage the game a little bit better. That's the biggest thing. It can't just be so aggressive and freewheeling and just throwing the ball everywhere. Um, so, yeah, it's he gives me a heart attack too. be interesting to see what they do at quarterback this week. You know, I think Jaron Hall is in the conversation. I would stick with Nick Mullins, um, but I'd have Jaron Hall ready, certainly. I mean, it's four interceptions this week, two really bad ones the week before. They should have probably beat the Bengals, right? And I think without these interceptions the other day, they probably would have pulled off the upset, too. I feel bad for the Vikings. I do. I'm very happy for your Lions. Your Lions, of course, are going to be a pain in the ass. Your offense is so dangerous. Hopefully, Jamison Williams can keep going here. Mm-hmm. You're going to need him at some point, big time in the playoffs. But, like, I look at the Vikings and go, if they had a healthy Kirk Cousins this year, they'd be scary in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? You know, they really would be. And, uh, you know, whether they get in or not, we'll see. But if they do get in, I just it's hard for me to think they're going to make a run with, with the quarterback situation. Yeah, where are we right now in the conference? So the Minnesota Vikings are they're still in. out. No, they're on the outside looking in. Oh, yeah, they're, uh, that's right. They're, they're outside. They're the 8 seed right behind currently Minnesota, at 7 and 8. Or Seattle, excuse so me. Our game this Sunday, Minnesota-Green Bay, is like an elimination game, right? Pretty much. Whoever loses that game. Yep. Is out. Green Bay currently the ten seed, also at seven and eight. Uh, Seattle's currently in. They're eight and seven. Although they almost lost, they needed a a fourteen play, I think seventy five yard drive at the end of the game. Real good drive at the end of the game. Uh, Seahawks come back and beat the Tennessee Titans twenty to seventeen. Hawks astrologer chiming in. We'll give him the first statement on this game. He goes, "Damn okay to the Seahawks pass rush, getting six sacks versus the Titans, helping to stop the final drive, sealing the victory after Geno's masterful fourth quarter." Yeah, the uh, this is dangerous. Right. This is my upset of the week. I, I thought the Titans would be able to pull off this upset. Almost did. Vrabel managed the game perfectly. 
Right? They ran the ball well, especially early on in the football game. Their defense was all over Seattle. I mean, you talked about the clutch drive at the end of the football game. Certainly that was clutch. But even the drive to start the fourth quarter, right, late third quarter, fourth quarter, where you know, they were down 10-6, to six, and they drove down, and that was when D.K. Metcalf caught that incredible one-handed catch in the back left corner, mm-hmm. right? That was a big-time drive. It wasn't easy. And it would look like, oh, wow, the Tennessee's got them pinned back and they're going to play the field goal, field position game, and they're going to be okay here. Geno converted to some big third downs on that drive, and that there, you know, certainly gave them, got their offense jump-started, I guess is what we, sh- we should say. You know, yeah. Seattle still worries me. I mean, their defense, yeah, they got the sacks, but, you know, Tennessee running the ball and even being as efficient as they were in the pass game with, again, limited options in the pass game, it's a little scary. For a team that's like, wait, we're in the playoffs right now, certainly. But, you know, good win for them on the road. Short week, Monday night football, beat the Eagles right. Didn't have a letdown, battled through, and and found a way to win the game. So this is crazy, too, because Seattle only had three possessions in the second half. They went field goal, touchdown, touchdown. It was incredible. I I did not realize it was the three drives, but I – Yeah. Well, that's what I mean by, like, Vrabel and company were playing it perfectly. Right, it was run the ball, run the clock out. Third and four, Tannehill gets a first down with a six-yard throw. Like, I mean, they did it. They played it the right way, and 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 you know they're creative. They're creative on defense. They're game plan specific, and I think they gave Seattle issues in charge figuring out what the hell they were doing and how to attack it. But you know, they found it. Geno threw the ball really well. And uh, you know, between Metcalf and Lockett, they made some big-time plays down the stretch. Geno Smith now has seven game-winning drives since 2022. He had seven game-winning drives in his career prior wow. to 2022. He's making up for lost time. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for Gimme the Headlines presented by Hyundai. We got two games in here. We got one game from Christmas Eve Eve that we had on NBC. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cincinnati Bengals. Steelers got the big win, 34-11. to Your headline for this game is... Rudolph slays the Bengals. Oh, that's mean, man. Ooh, man. Rudolph, damn. I but never... slays S-L-E-I-G-H-S. Oh, man, maybe that's why he's got red on his nose, Rudolph. Okay. He's been slaying people. He's just killing them. All right, but yeah, I mean... I certainly didn't expect, like, 
that right there. I mean, just Mason Rudolph, big plays over and over. I mean, again, we know and we've talked about it all year. The Bengals have been horrible in that department. But thought I thought the one team that really wouldn't be able to take advantage of the Bengals, you know, giving up a lot of big plays. I was like, well, Pittsburgh, I just don't trust them to do that. And they proved you wrong. They proved me wrong. I mean, George Pickens, I mean, what an unbelievable day overall. I mean, first off, full Tropic Thunder interceptions by Browning. I mean, Jake Browning, those those were full Tropic Thunder. The first two. I, I'm not even sure if I can remember the third one right off my my top of my head right now. But the scrambling to the right, throw the ball to everybody on the Steelers in the end zone, Yeah, I was, don't even know. I don't know if it's like, was he trying to throw it out of the end was zone? Was he like, trying to throw a... it out? Did he think the receiver underneath was about to turn back and go back there? I don't know. It's bad either way. And then the crossing route, right, where he doesn't see the underneath backside corner. I mean, it's, it's zone coverage. Where do you think the backside corner is? He didn't just go, well... I have no receivers here, so I'm just going to, like, I'm going to sit down and take a knee and chew some gum here. Like, he dropped back into his zone. I mean, that, that was bad, you know. And then I think when you just talk about, yeah, the the bangles, the poor angle by Dax Hill on the slant route by Pickens, and the, I you know, at what point do you go, wait, you know, Pickens is making some plays here tonight. We should help our guy and maybe not let him one-on-one so he just keeps burning Chidobe Awuze. Uh, either way, great job by Mason Rudolph. Great job by the Steelers battling back. Didn't expect to see that. And they were they were the tougher, more physical team on the football field. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, season high, 100, uh, or a season high 34 points for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A career high 195 yards for George Pickens. And Pittsburgh currently is still in the mix, of course, because they have Mike Tomlin and they will always be around 500 even when they're not good. They are 8-7. and seven. They are the nine seed right now. And I kept asking you this when we had a little time to fill before our Peacock game. I was like, all right. I was like, I mean, the Steelers looking like this, are they someone now to be contended with at the bottom of the playoff picture? And in short, you basically said, unless they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals playing like that, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I'm not, I'm not getting behind it. You know, respect to them, as you know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking at that football team and going like, oh, if they get in, they'll be dangerous. Or, oh, if they get in, they might win a game. Like, I, no, I don't want them in. All right? I don't. Just for, again, my viewing preferences – I like the seven that are in there right now. The Colts are the seven seed right now. In my perfect world, I'd want to see C.J. Stroud and company be the seven seed instead of the Indianapolis Colts. But I could deal with the Colts uh, regardless. All right, so neither the Bengals or the Steelers are in right now. The Patriots and Broncos doesn't look like, well, the Patriots we know are not going to be in. The Broncos, it's trending in that direction, too. Uh, 26-23, Patriots win on a last-second field goal. Your headline for this one is... Merry Christian Barrymore. <laughs> Merry Christian Barrymore. Matthew Takis says, For my Patriots, how about damn okay for Christian Barrymore, who was a menace to Russell Wilson for the majority of our surprising win over the Broncos, showing why he should be a key leader for my paths ahead of a transformational offseason coming up. Yeah, well, Barrymore is super talented. He's the best interior D lineman on their football team. Barrymore's struggle is going to be managing a knee situation that's going to bother him throughout his career. He's going to be one of those guys that can't really practice a full week probably the rest of his career. They're going to have to manage him. He'll be the walkthroughs, get a little practice or run here and there, but then just go play. But he's talented enough and good enough, and it looks like he's smart enough to, to be that guy. And we'll see where it can go. I mean, 
here's a game where, to me, it's like, you know, I don't even know what I want. Belichick, Belichick managing of the football game and his defense win the game. They won the game. You know, one, I think that the – how do I want to say this? I thought the Broncos were stupid early on in the football game. They get the turnover, right? Get the short field. You got an extra possession. It's Your offense is not that good. The Patriots defense is very good. Just kick the fucking field goal and go up 3 nothing to start the game, right? You know, the first play of the game, they get a turnover from Zappi. And there they go. They can't help it. We got to be aggressive. We got to be aggressive. So they mess up that situation. They're controlling the early part of the football game. It's 7-3. Here they go. They're driving again. Javante Williams catches the ball on the edge. He fumbles. Oh, shit. All right. Now we're in a football game all of a sudden, right? You know, and so, like, one of those games, again, where it felt like, you know, early on in the football game, Denver was the better football team but didn't kind of capitalize on that. And then, you know, the Patriots get a little feel, get going. Their defense starts to feel how, okay, wait, we know how Russell Wilson and Sean Payton are attacking us. And they smothered the Broncos kind of like after that. Where, you know, they were what? I think at the 40-yard line going in when Javante Williams fumbled on the little swing pass there. And, yeah, I felt like their offense never really got back in rhythm ever ever from that point. And then there you were, the Patriots, they kind of got it going. They played the field position game. They backed Denver up. They got a short field touchdown on a 40-yard drive. Then, you know, who was it? Um, Was it Mims that fumbled, right, on the kick return? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, Mims fumbles on the kick return. All right? And the, 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 the Patriots pick it up for a touchdown, right? So, I mean, they're just like uh, a lot of crazy crap there. That's going to be one where... You know, again, Sean Payton got to manage his football team a little bit better that way, too, and just realize, like, this is going to be an ugly football game, and let's just outlast them and out-ugly them. Uh, the Patriots, at least rushing defense, yeah. is one of the best in the NFL right yeah. now. Fourth in the NFL in yards per play allowed. That's that's overall defense. They're first in yards per rush allowed. Um, Pete wants to know the signs that Belichick still has his fastball as a defensive genius, I guess. Oh, well, yeah, he does. Because they've had injuries, too. On the defensive side. Definitely. I mean, they, who knows how good they'd be without some of the injuries. They're, they, um, creativity, sound, the tactical gamble from time to time, but the ability to really teach coverages, Bill, Bill, the Belichicks are still phenomenal at that. They are. Teaching coverages, being perfect at that, and then, as I talk about all the time, reading routes. No matter what the coverage is in, they understand, wait, if this guy goes there, then this other guy might do this, right? So they're really well-schooled in that department. Belichick, I, I don't doubt his defensive mind or anything like that at all, right? It's about the decisions he's made with the offense. It's about some personnel people that are missing on their football team overall that I think people question. I don't question his ability to coach the defense. That That's not a problem. And the fact that Chad Ryland missed a field goal, missed an extra point, and then goes out there and hits a 56-yard field goal to win it was maybe the most surprising thing yeah. that came to me. Yeah, I was like, right. how did that happen? Uh, uh, that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Let's go into the wild card teams, talk a little NFC South. Uh, one of the more impressive wins, uh, you know what? Outside of the Ravens, trying to think here off the top of my head, I think this was the most impressive performance 
from any team. The Cleveland Browns taking care easily of the Houston Texans, 36-22. Mehmet 305 says Joe Flacco in his weekly laser show deserves a damn okay. Also, Amari Cooper had a ridiculous game. Uh, Yes, he did. 265 yards and two touchdowns in this one. Uh, Let's do it. Let's go inside the numbers powered by AWS. Let's start right there. Amari Cooper, this new love affair he's got with Joe Flacco, giving him all the praise after the game. Next Gen Stats tells us that Amari Cooper caught four passes of 148 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets with less than a 33% completion probability. The most such yards in a game in the Next Gen Stats era. I can see Jason Garrett just looking at me being like, what did you just try to say right there? (laughs) Uh, Let's try to interpret that. So basically, four of those plays... There wasn't a pretty good chance that they were going to be able to complete it, but Joe Flacco put it in a good spot, and Amari Cooper made a good play to to reel it in. I mean, a few were incredible throws. There was a few that were just, you know, incredible catches with people around you, whatever. I mean, what a showing. I mean, one, Saturday I was here, remember, going, they need to rein in Joe Flacco a little bit. They said, fuck you, Sims. We're not listening to that this week. We're going to go 27 for 42 and 368, and we're going to go bombs away, Joe Flacco style, right? Yeah, Which, he, at the end of the game, he was like, yeah, that Chris Flores. Yeah, get, 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 <laughs> shut up. Yeah, shut up. They're not raining me in at all. Um, really <laughs> impressive. I mean, it is. You know I have a little bit of a man crush on this Browns football team. I love their defense, right? Their defense was smothering in this game. Don't, 36-22 is a lie. I mean, it's like, oh, we got in prevent, and we're not going to let you score in two plays, and the Texans drove down for two drives and put a few points and stats on the board. The competitive part of the football game fucking squashed the Texans. I mean, they couldn't do anything on offense. Their only thing until six minutes left in the fourth quarter was a kick return. Other than that, they couldn't do crap. So that's where it is misleading. And, hey, I give credit to Kevin Stefanski and recognizing to be aggressive. I will still say they got to rein the guy in a little bit here. They're not going to get away with this against the top-tier AFC teams. That's my big concern. They tried to run it, and who knows? It was maybe late when yeah. the Texans knew they were going to run it, but it was 30 rushing attempts for just 54 yards. They had an average of one They 1. cannot 8. run the ball. It's a shame. So that's the issue, it right? It is the issue. It's, it's, that's where they're stuck. That's where, you know, it's, they're, they're just too beat up on the O-line. That's really all there is to it. And that's why I think they're comfortable with Joe Flacco, and that's why they made him the starter, because I think they realize, like, we're not going to be able to run the ball. You know, as awesome as our all-line coaches, right, and all of that, it's just with the injuries we've had up front, we're, we're not going to be capable of doing it. So we got some weapons in the past game. Let's ride Joe Flacco that way. All I'm saying is it's okay to be conservative with him every now and then. It is okay, right? I don't think this current formula of just bombs away Joe Flacco is going to be the right thing to do, right, if they're playing the Ravens in the playoffs or, you know, playing the Dolphins either, right? It's okay, like, Cleveland, your defense is good enough to almost win games by itself, and you're another team that I go, 17-14's right in your wheelhouse. You're, you're made for that. So we'll see where it goes. But either way, man, are they explosive? Gosh. I mean, Joku and Cooper have become one of the better tandems in football here as of late. And then, you know, their defense and the chaos and everything they do there is just, it's phenomenal. And that was Inside the Numbers powered by AWS. Browns, I like the way they're playing right now with their fourth starting quarterback on the season. But I don't know if I like them as well as the next team that we're about to talk about. Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Jaguars 30-12. to And I just want to note, if you're a 
Buccaneers fan, it is a travesty that you are this late in the podcast. We tried to figure out a way to group you with other categories, but you're not a fish, so we couldn't put you with the 11 fishes category. <laughs> uh, but the way that this team is playing deserved to be talked about because I think, you know, the Jaguars were a team we thought, like, maybe by the end of the year, we're talking about them being one of the top two teams in the AFC. They have fallen off. Let's oh, not start gone. there. Let's not let's not start there because I think we got to give Tampa Bay their their due because Baker's playing at a, at a high level yeah. and this is like a this is was a really good team win, um, maybe more impressive than the Browns, which I just gave the second best win of uh, of the week. This was dominant. I mean, to your point, I think in kind of all ways, and you know. Smothering in the fact that, you know, I, I just, as I was sitting there Sunday and, you know, I'm watching the Cowboys game and I'm trying to keep my eye also on the Bears and Cardinals a little bit. And I'm watching this and go, okay, it's, you know, oh, Bucks got a turnover. Oh, it's 10 nothing. Okay, Jacksonville, they'll go down and they'll make this a game. Oh, okay, it's 13 nothing. All right, Jacksonville will go down here and they'll get a field goal or touchdown here. It'll be 13 3 or 13 7. They'll, they'll turn this around before the half's over and we'll go into halftime and go, okay, we got a game. And, of course, none of that ever happened. I mean, Tampa smothered Jacksonville's offense. Uh, They were all over Trevor Lawrence, of course, out hitting them, causing turnovers. Lawrence made a few erratic decisions and throws. I mean, nothing is working for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Tampa, yeah, they got it going on. I mean, one, their pass game is uh, elite as far as explosiveness when you talk about that. You know, they run the ball just enough to keep you honest there. And they got some playmakers on defense. You know what I mean? My big thing was just with the Todd Bowles and coming. Don't overplay the run game so much, right? You know, but some decent pass rushers, certainly. They got some playmakers on the D-line. And a Trianka, Yaya Diaby, I mean, Vita Vea, the two middle linebackers, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield. So they got some guys that can make some plays and do some things outside the overall scheme. Then they got a little mojo going, too. Mm. But, like, I mean, Jacksonville's just got, like, they can't protect, they can't run the ball, and their offense isn't creative and explosive enough to overcome those type of things. That, that's where, you know, you, you've heard me say, I like Doug Peterson in that offense, but I don't go, oh, my gosh, wow, unbelievable. That's why I begged him to throw the ball deep a little bit, right? And last year, because they could run the ball, it opened up a lot of their bread-and-butter plays, let alone they dial up a shot every now and then if you got too aggressive stopping the run. They can't get to that right now. They basically have to drop back and throw the ball all the time. And even within that, they're not protecting all that well. And as you saw in this one, it led to some erratic decisions or holding the ball and strip sack fumbles and everything like that. Trevor Lawrence suffered a sprained right shoulder in the game, according to Ian Rappaport. Uh, Not believed to be a major injury, but it's unclear how this affects his uh, availability this coming week. Um, He's played through everything, basically, is what he notes in in 2023. So he has been banged up for sure. But, you know, Travis Etienne, uh, that home run threat out of the backfield, he's not been that. They can't even get it going. You know, that's the biggest thing, is they just cannot control the line of scrimmage at all. And then... You know, to be the pass game, you know, as much as I want them to throw the ball down the field and to be aggressive, they have to be careful within that because they can't hold the ball long enough to let people get open downfield. So they have to continue to try to, you know, work the ball, the middle of the field and all that. And Lawrence throws the ball into tight windows. And, you know, what was that? The, I can't, his first interception, it was like a third down. 
The Bucks tried to show the blitz. They all dropped out, and he tried to fit the ball into a tight window on the right side because, yeah, he's pressing a little bit and trying to make it happen. I think that was the one Antoine Winfield got. He and Devin White got an interception, and I can't remember who got that first one, though. I feel bad, Kenan, now, because Baker Mayfield's gone off now the last uh, handful of games. I feel bad because I said the NFC South will not be won by anyone, and here's Baker's numbers. They're winning the it right now. They're, they're, they're taking it. They're winning it. They yeah. actually are winning it. They uh, have uh, eight and seven records that are game up on Atlanta and the New Orleans Saints currently right now, and they can clinch the NFC South with a win this week versus the Saints, the Saints. at home, right? Yeah, they got so. them at home, so that, that'll be interesting. And, yeah, as we know, the Saints are not exactly a model of consistency either. AFC is getting weird because the Indianapolis Colts still are clinging on to a playoff spot despite losing to those Atlanta Falcons 29-10. to Dominant performance from Atlanta. What's your headline takeaway from, from this one? Well, I, I mean, they, they, they physically whooped the Colts. And I had my eye on this one pretty close. This was a game where like, I had the Falcons and Florio had the Colts, so I certainly was sitting there you know, wanting them to win the football game. Um, dominant in the run game, really. They really were. Yeah, what, how way. did you think they were going to win, and was, was that how they won? I thought, well, I thought that, yeah, I mean, one, they need to play through the run always. I think the big thing is, is they were able to, they're able to throw the ball and take enough pressure off their run game because of Heineke in the pass game to now then it allows them to, hey, not every running play has got eight people in the box and we got to try to figure out how to block all these guys. So Heineke takes pressure off of that department. He makes them a more complete offense in general. And then this Falcons defense is one of the better defenses in football. No Michael Pittman Jr. on the other side for the Colts. The Colts, as you've heard me say before, too, are another team that I go – Finding big plays, especially in the pass game, is not their thing. And I, Atlanta looked like they called their bluff a little bit in this game. We we're like, well, we're going to cloud the line of scrimmage. We're going to stop the run. We're not going to let you throw little five-yard RPOs and dink and dunk your way down the football field. And they were all over stuff that Gardner Minshew was trying to throw. He was very inefficient, never got comfortable during the game, and they couldn't open up a hole in the run game for, for their lives. Bajan Robinson was the leading rusher yeah, and leading receiver. Sick runs. He, really he, he looked good. Maybe yeah. maybe his most complete and yeah. best game so far. So now, yeah, the Colts, as we sit here right now, still clinging to that seven seed at eight and seven, but tied with the same record as the Houston Texans, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Of those four teams, you say you you, you want it to be the most entertaining, best teams. Yeah. Like who are you rooting for out of yeah. those? I would be Houston. It would, but I, I want C.J. Stroud back. If it's not C.J. Stroud back, then I don't want Houston, and I don't want Pitt, and I don't want Cincy. I you would just take want six Indy. teams. You want six teams. I would take Indy. If, 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 if Stroud can't come back with Houston, then I'll take the seven we got in right now. I, I could deal with that. I think those are, that would be the interesting. To me, like, Pitt and Cincy have no chance of going on the road and beating like Miami is a number two seed, or even if it's Baltimore is number two seed. The Colts, I I don't say that's totally crazy. Mm. And not that I would ex, you know expect them to win, but because of that coach, Shane Steichen, their O-line, the way they can run the ball there, their D-line, they can pressure the quarterback and maybe start a, you know, get a strip sack or something like that. You know, I, I just think they would be the most competitive seven seed in the AFC. I was looking for recent news or tweets on C.J. Stroud. Don't see much. No, nothing heard yet. It's uh, we'll see how this the protocol continues to go.
Thursday night football, the Rams, it, was, it seems like forever ago, Seriously. right? But the Rams also a team that deserve to be talked about because they are dangerous. They win 30-22. to 22. Mark Floyd says, damn, okay. Matthew Stafford, it's way too late to add him to the MVP race. But, wow, the last six weeks have been fun to watch. Hashtag love the pod. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I think I threw out a tweet, too, that said during that game, as that game was happening, I was like, is Matt Stafford the uh, the MVP? And a lot of people said no to me. They wrote back just one word, no. Um, shouldn't have tweeted it. But here's the thing. He's the reason that they are where they are right now. I think they got some young talent on the defensive side, but the Rams are who they are because of the guy leading them. Definitely. Definitely. The way they can call plays, package them together. He can get you in and out of those plays at the line of scrimmage. He can check the other things. He can make throws that, you know, again, it, only a few people in football can make. He showed that. He made a few throws in that game. Are like, oh my fucking god, are you kidding me? Like, holy shit, what a throw, right? I mean, he's incredible that way. Well, and 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 you know, they're they're fun to watch right now. But like, I think to our standard of MVP, true value, yeah, he's up there with anybody, right? Yeah, there's a number of quarterbacks we could take on football and put them on the Rams, and I go, they wouldn't look like the Rams anymore. Stafford's ability to pick you apart in the short passing game and sidearm and boom and squeeze it in there 9 million times and the great decisions there are what allows all of a sudden somebody to sneak open 30 yards down the field. Puka Nakua is definitely the best receiver on their team. I feel like he's the number one guy on their team. Wow. Yeah, I will say that too. It just, the way they call the game, and I know Cooper Cup might be a little banged up or whatever, but the way they call the game and the way he looks out there right now too, uh, yeah, I would say that they are featuring him more than they are featuring Cooper Cup at this point. You know, it's a great combination. And then I, I love watching Kyron Williams run right now. I do. You know, to, to, to me, the Rams are one of the hottest teams in football. They are definitely playing as good about as anybody in the NFC. And, you know, that was and that was a nice ass whooping they gave. Again, this is another game where the bottom line, the scoring is a little For sure. skewed. It's late game, Derek Carr. Let me add to my stats. The game's competitive. The Saints are just they're they're kind of fraudulent that way. You know, you're going to look at their offense and go, well, you know, it's the top half of the offense in football. And I'm going to be like, eh, not really. You know, and any game they've lost, it's like they're not even competitive on offense until late in the game, and they put up garbage time stats. And, of course, in this one, too, what was it? Did they block the punt at the end, or they shank it? They blocked it a little at the end. That was the led the last touchdown for the Saints to make it uh, an eight-point football game. But all in all, you felt like the Rams had, had control of this one throughout the football game, and they are impressive. They are in the playoffs right now. They can clinch a playoff spot this week with a win – at the Giants, plus a Seattle loss versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could wow. Happen. I, I think either way they're a playoff team. So, wait, say that again. How does that work out? It goes. they got to beat the Giants. Yep, okay. And they need the Seahawks to lose to the Steelers. Oh, well, that can happen. There's definitely. That definitely can happen. Where is that Steelers-Seahawks football game? That would be, you know, interesting to see. It's probably up in Seattle again, right? Mm, yeah, it's in Seattle. It is in so Seattle. That, that bodes well for them. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that one's close. And it's not around Christmas' pass defense for ain't good. Yeah, right. that's true. So, you know, this is going to be a game where you could see Pickett and them make some big plays. 
Three quick hitters to end the podcast, last and least, although the Green Bay Packers still are in the hunt in yeah. the NFC, and they are on Sunday Night Football, which you should watch. Yeah, you should the watch Minnesota it. Vikings. It'll be fun. It's the Vikings who move the ball up and down the field, too, and they'll you know, probably throw some interceptions along the way to make it even more interesting. They beat um, the Pan- They made it interesting yeah. here. The, the Packers did. 33-30, they get the win over the Panthers. Jordan Love's third game-winning drive this season in a game where Bryce Young was trying to get a game-winning drive or a late comeback and probably maybe his probably his best game right, I, as a pro it, for it's Bryce Young. up there. There was another game maybe we could say that was up there that rivaled it, but, yeah, this was impressive. There was a lot of – he made some plays in this game. He really did. He made some great throws, did some great job avoiding some, some pressure a few times and moving that way. Um, Looked about as comfortable as I've seen him look, right? I think both offenses and quarterbacks can feel good about how they played in totality. Mm. Of course, Jordan Love, you know, with some of the big clutch throws they had at the end to, to pull it pull it off. I'm concerned. Green Bay's defense. I, it's just concerning how they're kind of falling apart here the last few weeks. You know, it kind of looked like they were on the verge of correcting things and becoming a force, and now. Here they are. It's just like everybody's moving the ball on them at will, right? Uh, so that was a little disappointing, certainly, and that does not give me a whole lot of confidence with them. Their run game, they killed it there. I did not expect Green Bay to move the ball up and down the field on this Carolina defense the way it did. I was not expecting a shootout type of football game here. You know, It looked like it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I didn't keep a close, close eye live on su- uh, Sunday. You know, it was one of those where I had my eye on it a little bit, and then I had to look at it a little more on Christmas morning just to make sure I uh, saw what I saw was correct. Yeah, it was career highs in passing yards for Bryce Young, yards per attempt, passer rating too, which speaks to you know them keeping things going and them not like just totally being depressed on no. the way that this year has gone. It no, also definitely. does speak to the Packers defense, too, yeah, the quality well, yeah, of that the Packers defense. And, and I think the other thing with the the, the Panthers and you know they haven't had. DJ Shark healthy the whole year. They haven't had that guy that can stretch out the field a little bit. Him on the field makes them a different offense. One, he's an explosive playmaker. Two, he's the guy that can get Adam Thielen open and other guys open because you're worried about DJ Shark going over the top or hitting a post route or doing all that. So I, I always look at him when he's in the lineup and healthy as he changes their approach a little bit, certainly. Uh, we'll see where it goes, though. Love clutch throws at the end. Romeo Dobbs clutch catch to set up that game-winning field goal. Uh, good job by the Packers. It was a good weekend for the Bears because the Panthers lost, and so that number one pick still solidified for Chicago because they get that pick for the Panthers. What are they going to do? And the Bears won. You know, their own draft pick is getting worse, but I think they'll take that with the quality that they have seen on on this team. They get the win 27-16 over the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. I I think I'm about as impressed with the the Bears over the, you know this, the last five or six weeks as I am with just about any team in football. Mm. And they can play with anybody. They really can. I mean, they got it going. And this is why I, I, you know, again, I know I've been wishy-washy about Justin Fields, too. I think he's shown me here. The Lions game scared me. The one they won, 12-10. to 10, That was like, whoa. Like, man, he missed some people. He missed some throws. He didn't see the field that well. And I was like, damn, maybe he's just not going to be able to do it. But the last three weeks have been extremely good. They really have. They've had a chance to win all three games. Um they they gotta. St- I hope they stay the course in Chicago. That that's all I'm gonna say. I think that Justin Fields has done enough. You make him the quarterback. You know we've talked about the talent they got on offense. The way Eberflus is coaching that defense, they're a handful. This is another game. 
27-16 is a little misleading. It really is. You know, it's it's you know, fields through an interception in the end zone at the start of the fourth quarter. That could have made it a lot worse. It was a late game kind of stat thing by the Arizona Cardinals too. But man, I mean, the way they run the ball, right? Chicago, he's throwing the ball good. It's not I'm not gonna sit here and lie to everybody and go, it's great, but it's good and at least it's explosive. That's the one thing I'll say. Is he's gonna hit a few big plays down the field every game and then man with this draft, if they get another defensive guy or two and they can get a top-tier pass rusher and maybe one other secondary guy to go along with it, like watch out for the Bears. The Bears are set up. Uh, that was a, that was an impressive win. They continue to, to look really good here down the end of the season. Yeah, as a Lions fan, yeah. I want them. To, I scared. want them to take a quarterback number yeah. one because I think there's a higher chance that that just is it a bust. Screws, screws screws yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than trade that, get a couple other first round picks or a right. future first round pick, and just load up on assets everywhere else. So yeah, Bears six and nine right now on a, on a season where they did not look like they had the talent to be a six win team, and so they're they're trending in the right direction. Uh, the New York Jets are trending in the right direction while the Washington Commanders go the opposite way. Although this was a very entertaining game back and forth. I was like, well, the Commanders are getting blown out. And then they came back and thought they were going to win the game. Uh, Jets do finally win it. 30-28. to 28. What's your takeaway from this one? Well, I mean, you see how smothering the Jets' defense can be. Can be. Right? And especially when they get a little offense early on in the football game. And, of course, you know, turnovers and some things happening that way were beneficial. Right? Uh, so that that's you could see that you could see that Brees Hall is special, right? Run game or pass game, he's special. There's no doubt about that. You know, so that that's one thing to look at in the future and go, man, if they can just get their offensive line, you got a guy that can lead the NFL in rushing, right? And then of course we know with with Garrett Wilson and company, there's some positives there. I, I, the the annoying thing to me is there was a lot of good from the New York Jets, right? Sam Howell, I mean, whoa, it's all over the place here as of lately. I don't know how you can even trust them to do anything anymore. So six of 22, he had a couple interceptions. So that, like, yeah, like I, another one or two that I think were dropped too. Yeah. Um, right. So there were times earlier this year where I was watching him and I was like, man, he's like the, the, some of the throws when he's like making pinpoint yeah, it's throws aggressive and like reading and he, can, and he is yeah, aggressive. I was like, right. hey, I think he's, he's really talented. And then my, my son has gotten into like looking at PFF and like sorting some things on there. And he's like big into pick sixes. And so he's like, I want to see all the pick sixes. I was like, all right, we can do that. And I was like, dang, there's a lot of pick sixes from this guy that I was very complimentary about uh, <laughs> Sam, Sam Howell. Howell. I mean, he's kind of like in the Desmond Ritter category of, you know, he, he makes some play. I mean, I think he makes more plays. That's what it is. We've given him a pass because he makes like some plays that we don't see Desmond Ritter rake. We still go to your boy. You were saying yeah. like, we go, Whoa, that was a great throw there. Yeah. Or Whoa. Why did it hang in the pocket and hit the 25 yard crosser or good job scrambling there. There was a few more positives. So you kept going, well, I can deal with a few negatives of sacks, the stupid throws or decisions every now and then we can deal with that. Cause I just saw him throw a 45 yard post corner on the right. money. Right. So that, that's where it was different than Desmond Ritter, but it, it lately has skewed even farther into the inaccurate, not seeing the field the right way, bad decisions. What are you thinking moments, right? You know, the, the slowness in his delivery bothers me. The lack of arm angles he has bothers me, right? And just a little bit of like, Hey, listen, I like fearlessness in the pocket, but 
there's got to be a little bit of like, hey, the doors are closing and I need to throw it away or do something here. And he does not have the greatest feel in that department either. Uh, so that's where it's a little scary. The biggest thing of the game, it's 27 to 7. And the fucking Jets are trying to, they're, in the, they're inside the 10-yard line. And they try to throw a four-yard out route to the tight end. It's a tight coverage. And it gets intercepted. And it all of a sudden became a game. Howell, get the hell out of there. Brissett come back in. He starts moving the ball down the field. The Jets' defense gets it a little into a prevent, lets that out the big play. And all of a sudden you're going, well, now Washington's in a rhythm. And here they are just moving the ball up and down the football field on you. So that got close. But, you know, good job by Trevor Simeon and the Jets battling there to, to get the ball into the field goal position at the end to, to win the football game. But Robert Sala's game management stuff, certainly needs to be looked at or he needs to brush up in that department a little bit. There's a, as of late, there's two or three decisions in every game where I just go, I don't know why you would do that or or what you're thinking there. And again, you're a defensive football team. Your offense has been a travesty all year. It's 27 to seven, like, like protect the ball, play it the right way. Go up 30-7. to seven, Make them score three touchdowns and two two-point conversions to come back and beat you. Yeah. Uh, and that, that totally let the, left the door open there for Washington to come back. Won't have to worry about it next year because it will be Aaron Rodgers' responsibility. Like, everything will be his. Offensively, <laughs> defensively, making the GM, calls. Yeah, he's the GM. He basically takes over the team once again next year. Yeah, running it back uh, for the New York Jets. All right, that's it. That's every game from the Damn, that Christmas was weekend. Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. That's, we did it. We did do it. All right. So we got no Wednesday pod this week, everybody. It's Tuesday. So there's not going to be a, as Ahmed calls it, the what the fuck happened podcast. Okay. (laughs) I like to say treasure hunters, but uh, we won't be doing that. But Thursday, I'll be back on there with picks uh, with Florio, the PFTPM, Chris Sims on button collaboration. We'll be doing that. I will try to maybe unveil some of my notes and breakdowns of the games as I watch film today and tomorrow on there. So you can certainly tune into that, but you know where to find us. Keep sending the questions, the thoughts. Whatever it is out there, we love to entertain it all. Um, and thanks, as always, of for driving the ship. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Again, enjoy your week, your holiday. I'm sure a lot of you have no week, uh, no work this week. Uh, good for you. I am working. That's not the greatest, but I'll live. Uh, either way, happy holidays. Happy New Year. But we'll talk to you before then. Yeah. Peace out. Clap it up. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.